That's all I do. Oh, okay. I was just curious if this was a corporate girl or not, but it seems <laughs> I mean, indie only. I, yeah, nope, just, just an independent girl. None of those AAA ladies. Under no circumstances. Welcome to That Odious Beast Gaming. I'm your elder gamer, Jonathan. Oh, man, and I am your very surprised gamer, Logan. I did not know we were going to open there. <laughs> oh, man, dude, I, I got it on lock. Mm. Never fear. Never miss a good opening. They actually call what? it... Do you remember in high school your nickname, Johnny Never Misses an Opening Nielsen? Yeah, of course. Uh, that's what everybody called me in the hall, all 1,800 of our classmates or whatever it was. Man, those were good times. Good times. Uh, I wish I could get a unified nickname like that now. I can't even be the same gamer from week to week. That's true, yeah. But you know what? The the collectathon begins, so we got Surprise Gamer. Last week was locally sourced i believe yeah i well probably fairly local knowing me mm, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. good i'm, good, I'm just good, saying i've great. been around is all really yeah uh, I, I see <laughs> hey logan you played any uh, video games in the last week i mean what is a video game really that's what i've been saying uh yes i did and actually along the vein of what is a video game I have a great one to open us up with, and that is Tetris 99. Nice. Um, Man, John, have you played this game? No, I've watched people enjoy it from afar on Twitter. And as somebody who it's definitely not- loves Tetris and has had a lot of, has put a lot of time into Battle Royales, it's kind of bizarre that I haven't touched it yet, but I've been consumed by other things that we'll get to. Yeah, okay. You need to play this game, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> this game is uh, the weirdest game I think I've ever touched. So I yeah, I could cite my long, mm, I would say adulterous history with Tetris. Though that wouldn't be a good word, but I could say it. Um, sure. <laughs> it was the very first uh, video game I think I ever played on an old PC port of it. Um, so I've been playing this game for a long time in its various forms. I've played it on the Game Boy. I've played it in arcades. I mean, Tetris is a, it's an oldie but a goodie, as my, my younger brother would say. Indeed, indeed. Um, this is, uh, so for those who aren't familiar with Tetris 99, this version of Tetris pits you against 98 other players, um, in what is quite possibly the oddest battle royale ever. Um, I thought it was a joke when it was announced, personally. Yeah, so I assumed they were bringing some other Battle Royale to Switch. I was almost in tears over the hopes of a PUBG on Switch, because that would be atrocious. (laughs) Um, I I could see PUBG Mobile on Switch at some point, but but (laughs) yikes. That ain't gonna happen. The full fat PC game? Nope. Mm. It barely runs on, on the big boy machines. True. Sorry, just getting a notification here about an open gunshots near my university, so that's a good night. Um, oh my goodness. Gosh. It looks like they're advising everybody to take shelter, so. Cool. Well, presumably you're not recording this on the street, so. Can you imagine, though? No. That would be. Uh, the background noise we'd get would be unreal. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> For all our, our listeners know, I've been on our this boots trip. on the ground, gamer Logan. <laughs> true, true. Although they're to be more accurate, they're Converse. Thank you very much. Oh, okay, so yeah, yeah, step yeah. off, please. Didn't mean to bring my military <laughs> propaganda into this. True, true. Uh, but yeah, so speaking of military, Tetris ninety nine, the hit battle royale, um, <laughs> is a really interesting thing because it's a pretty ugly game. Uh, yeah, I mean I've heard that, it's pretty bare bones. Yeah, there's not hardly any polish. This very yeah. much feels like an effort on Nintendo's part, because this is a first-party game. I don't know if you were aware, Jonathan. Yeah, I heard that. I was not aware at first, but um, yeah, I, I kind of assumed that they had partnered with... with uh, I, I can't remember who has, uh, or up to now, has had the publishing rights for, for Tetris, but I assumed that they uh, just partnered with them, but uh, apparently not. Yeah, so there's a, a company called i think the tetris company um Hmm, okay well there you go just giving that a little google but what they have done is they have licensed it so they've developed it completely okay sure um, sure and then they've they've received licensing to make it an official tetris game um which is really interesting um so 
it's super bare bones and it seems to me i can't speak obviously to nintendo's intent with making this odd game it seems <laughs> to me that they are testing their network capabilities um and, and flexing that a little bit is kind yeah, of the vibe the vibe that i'm getting uh, which is sure. is exciting um as somebody who loves nintendo to a fault i would say um <laughs> it's exciting to see them really start to like you know like they've, they've developed a battle royale this server comfortably supports 99 people on it right. at, at once matchmaking seems to be pretty good i'll be honest i still don't know really how this game works it's mostly just me trying to tetris myself alive um and sure, i've, I've sure, done some really yeah. good work like i i've not won but i've placed pr- pretty highly man right. it's a good game like i did not expect to be saying that i just wanted to try it because i thought it'd be fun i really like this tetris um nice and again like it gives me a lot of hope for what they might be doing if reggie's Splatoon, out there battle royale uh, if reggie's out there listening that's all i want yeah, <laughs> it's all could be i good. want or could be good. or oh man I, w- I would also accept arms battle royale oh my goodness <laughs> can you imagine i can't i oh, can't baby. i would let's go nintendo i would drop 60 dollars on that no oh, question yeah. oh yeah no question <laughs> Just con- conceptually, I'd be sold. <laughs> it could be a bad yep. game, and I they'd have, oh, yeah. they'd have my wallet open. Um, we're going to talk more, most likely, just knowing me, about Nintendo opening my wallet a little later. But before we do, uh, John, what have you been playing? Uh, well, I think I want to talk first about what I've not been playing, uh, which is Battle Royales. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Astute listeners know that I am the number one PUBG defender. Huge, huge fan. Have been for almost two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but my uh, heart's hurting right now, John. It hurts. But I, I haven't, I haven't played any in the last, I don't know, two weeks. And I thought it was maybe like, oh well, you know, Apex is a great game. Maybe I'm just kind of feeling that more. And I played Apex for a couple a uh, couple hours the other night and just had the most miserable time of my whole life. And I'm, I, th- I think I might be burning out on Battle ah! Royale. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's... Uh, PUBG just, just had a new patch this week. Uh, I, I have plans to play it with, with some buds over the weekend, so I will play more, but I, I don't know. Man. It's... It's not been my cup of tea the last couple of weeks. Um, but what has been my cup of tea, uh, very much so, has been a game called Frostpunk. Now, Jonathan, um, in our show notes, you've written Sad City Sim. And I yes, have been on the edge correct. of my seat to know exactly what that means. So hit me up with them sweet deeds. Yeah, so Frostpunk is uh, came out last year. Um, it's a city building slash survival simulation. Um, it, uh, thematically, narratively, it takes place in a, uh, a late 1800s, um, in which, uh, a string of volcanic eruptions combined with a, a period of sunspots has left the earth bitterly, bitterly cold and has basically wiped out, uh, everybody on earth. So when... The game comes with several pre-built scenarios, but one is really like the the meat of it, the main campaign, if you will. Um, and it has you um, working as the captain of this crew who have fled London uh, to go far north to find a generator um, and build a city up around that and to just try to survive. And so, <clears throat> yeah, it's... It's, uh, you know, half city building and half survival because you are constantly fighting against the cold. Um, You have to collect coal to power your generator and your generator can uh, heat in a circle around it and you can upgrade it to heat bigger circles, which costs more coal, meaning you have to have more coal mines and more people to power those coal mines and more plate. Uh, places for those people to live but they can't be living in places where they don't have things to do or they'll get discontented and if they get discontented they'll overthrow you and the game's over good it's uh it's a little 
it's a little much. Like my very first attempt at the campaign, uh, I failed in like four days, which is profoundly fast because I just didn't have any idea what I was doing. Sorry, is this but, four in-game days or four real days? Uh, yeah, yeah, correct. Um, okay. Which would be... I mean, that doesn't really mean anything because you can pause the game. But for me, it was like 45 minutes or something. Oh, okay. Um, My second attempt was about 18 hours and it was successful. (laughs) So, um, yeah, the the game is is challenging. Um, It's extremely rewarding. It's it's uh, it's not procedural in the sense that like the. The area that you're building in and some events are scripted, but a lot of it is, is just a bunch of random randomized events. And then you have to prepare your city for the incoming blizzard. And if enough people survive the blizzard, you win the scenario. So I beat that on my second try. And there's a three or four more other scenarios, and I've since beaten all of them. And they are all quite cool. In the in no the main scenario, huh? <laughs> in the main scenario, <clears throat> you can send out scout teams to visit various locations in the Frostland, and you you know that there should be other cities around because you had other teams that left London at around the same time, mm-hmm. and so you're finding clues about this other city, and finally you discover it, and this the generator in that city had exploded, and everybody is dead. Whoa. Um, and it's it's an interesting and important, very important uh, mechanical and narrative uh, point in the game for the first scenario, and then the last scenario included in the game, you play as that city. And it's Yo. it's really really cool, and and that entire scenario is about evacuating as many people from the dying city as you can, which is uh, very different from the first scenario. Totally. So it it's the game is very well made. It's it's very yeah. I called it sad city sim because it's it's harrowing. Like the the thematic arc is one of narrowly escaping death and and questioning the the futility of life in in something in a in a life where you are working literally every waking hour and going to bed freezing cold it it's an it's a very very intriguing game um man it sounds super super interesting if i may i do have a quick question about this please uh how does it play and what i mean by that is is it like a top-down bird's eye view kind of like a 4x game where you control yep. all these elements okay cool cool yep 100 yeah so, i've not seen a ton for this game so i was curious so yeah it's not like a starcraft you don't like click on your people and tell them what to do you have <sighs> excuse me <clears throat> you have a little uh icon in the bottom right that when you hover over it, it will tell you there you have different unit types so you have workers which can generally do whatever um you have engineers which are more specialized and can only or and only some tasks uh are available to engineers um and then you have children which you can um as the captain in the game you have an, a law book that you can sign new laws into action and they'll have various effects on the hope and discontent of your people and so one of them is you can sign child labor laws and allow children to work um and yeah and for some cases you have to do that uh and in my successful run of the very first scenario i didn't I signed child shelter laws, which had me build shelters for children to be educated during the day. Um, and then if you keep going down that path of the laws, you can sign a law where their education can benefit uh, research tasks in the research depots with the engineers so you can uh, get new technologies faster. Gotcha. So, so like an internship law. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I like that. Yeah. So the game has a lot of uh, of interesting ways to interact in that you are physically building the buildings by directing people and 
gathering the resources for those things and placing the streets and all that kind of stuff. And then it has much more high level uh, uh, verbs to interact with the world, like signing laws and uh, like allocating uh, which type of food uh, people get to eat, whether it's full meals or soup and things like that. So yeah, it's a, it's complex though. Not overly. So like I said, I, I failed my first run spectacularly, but after that, I had a pretty solid grasp of the game uh, fairly quickly. So just after a couple hours. And since then, I've played like 30 hours in a week and have had a great time with it. So yeah, uh, if you're into those sort of simulation type games um, or just sad, sad boy games in general, uh, hit up Frostpunk. It's very good. Yeah. You know, a, a long-held hobby of mine is to Google games as we discuss them and read something from the Google page that comes up. <laughs> Indeed. This is, Play one, it on this is one of my favorites. So this is the blurb underneath the frostpunkgame.com website. So written by uh, uh, most likely the... Oh, the developer and publisher are the same for this one. So by 11-Bit yeah. Studios. <laughs> Frostpunk challenges a player's tactical skills while questioning one's morality. And then in all caps maintain the hope which i love um i think that really encapsulates a lot of what you said jonathan and this game sounds awesome yeah i i think i've used the words hope and discontent those are not just like broad concepts they are um visible mechanics of the game at all times you have two bars on the screen one is hope and one is discontent. If dis- if discontent gets too high, you'll be overthrown. If hope gets too low, you'll be overthrown. So hmm. you are constantly trying to balance those things. So I imagine that they're not purely opposite, right? Like people can have a decent amount of hope yes. but still be very discontent, right? Absolutely. So one of the scenarios, um, it, arguably my favorite from a narrative standpoint uh pits you as the leader of the working a group of working class folk who stole the arcs in london from from the ruling class the lords and fled and built the city and then the lords show up months later starving um and you have to resolve the class conflict inside the city good and so uh i tech i didn't resolve the class conflict i technically beat the scenario because uh, I survived uh, the end game challenge, which I can't remember if it was a blizzard or, or if it was something else. But, um, but uh, yeah, my my hope was quite high because uh, I had I had passed laws that would boost hope, um, but the discontent was huge because of uh, fueled by this class conflict. Um, Interesting. Interesting. And hope and discontent are influenced by think whether people have enough food, how cold they are at home, uh, things like that. But they are also influenced by the, the randomized events I was talking about. Um, yeah. So, so in the case of the, the working class folk versus, uh, the Lords in that scenario, a lot of the randomized events are like lynch mobs for the Lords and things like that, that would raise, uh, or sometimes lower discontent, depending. Um, so yeah, it's it's a hard game to try to boil down, especially into an audio medium, because it's extremely visual. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vast majority of the game is displayed visually, and uh, I mean, hardy har, it's called a video game. What do you expect? Who but, but I mean, like there is a ton of information on screen. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, great game. Uh, I'll probably play more. They they've got like an endless mode that I'm oh, probably cool. gonna dip into this weekend to just you know build a, a utopian society out in the frozen wilderness. It'll be great. Perfect, perfect. I man, I'm not into steampunk. Speaking generally, like that kind of post apocalyptic. Uh huh. Um, this is a fun spin on it that I might explore. Yeah. Um, fun spin on that kind of fallen London aesthetic. Yeah, for sure. I'm honestly not a huge fan of the the title because I don't get a punk vibe from this in any way. Neither do I, which is what kind of makes it. Yeah, so it's it, maybe cool. a bit of an odd one. Um, 
I think it but, technically uh, is steampunk because steampunk is anything that takes place in that post London, <laughs> like kind of. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm not I'm not familiar enough apocalypse, but with with the definition of that. Yeah, it's like but, anything uh, that breaks down during the Industrial Revolution, <laughs> okay. and then splinters often from London from there, um, ah. which explains okay, so a lot yes, of the aesthetics I, and so on. Right, right. So, it, so yeah, I guess that would in some ways fall into that. Yeah, but in very many others, it does not. At sure. least from what I'm seeing here, and it looks really cool. Yeah. So I will have to give that one a a checkout. Well, but only after you beat Bloodborne. Yeah, course. I was gonna say. Speaking of other games that have endless modes, um, <laughs> <laughs> Bloodborne's, oh, which boy. you informed me, is not very good. Um, but oh, I have not boy. touched that because I have been busy on the. I don't know that I would call it the campaign, but more like just the game in general. The game, yeah, yeah. Man, I... So this week, I caught fire on Bloodborne, which somebody might have foreseen, given our large amount of discourse about it in last week's episode. It's true. Um, but to to put it into perspective, last week when we spoke, I've owned this game since mm, late December or early January. Hmm, okay. And in that time, from then to last week, I beat four bosses, and since then, I've beaten five more. So wow. I okay. I yeah. definitely sped up a a fair bit to the point where this game really started to get interesting because I started to feel like I was pretty good at it. I don't know if the bosses yeah. got easier or if I got better. Um, um, I think more the latter. I was surprised to hear that you had such an easy time with Dark Beast Parl because that's a tough boss. It's oh, not, wait, really? Yeah uh yeah 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 sure. i beat him in one nice yeah. yeah that i certainly did not um of course it depends on your level and all that but like i yeah i was surprised to hear that so no i i think it's safe to say you were definitely getting better at the oh game. well that's good news that's good news yeah. so yeah this this week was the shadows of yarnum for me mm, um yep. which uh, this i think was when the game clicked for me because to this point i had like i said i'd taken out four bosses um, yeah. And then I ran into the Shadows of Yarnum, which, uh, to be brief, are essentially like Ringwraith esque characters with fire, yeah. with fire weapons. <laughs> yeah, that's a good description. Um, and there are, are three of them, which makes them fundamentally very different from every other boss in the game. True. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I think you remember when I beat these bosses, <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yes. Um, because. I, I, it said the the conversation in discord goes something like this shadows of yarnum omg you hardest boss in the game imo your hallmark whenever i mention <laughs> any boss um that's true and then a little later it reads holy jonathan i got them in two i am the best at this game the old blood should fear me tbh dang that was cool <laughs> Oh, wait, never mind. Bergenworth has jumping spider people and tentacle people that suck my brains out. I'm bad at it again. Um, (laughs) Which summarizes, I think, the whole experience with this game in general. Um, Yeah, pretty much. But with beating the Shadows of Yarnum so quickly, I very much was like, no, I like this game. Like, because they they felt so hard right away. And then all of a sudden I was like, no, I actually did it. Um, So from there, I I went through the Witch of Hemwick, uh, (laughs) Dark Beast Parl. And or probably Rom first, Rom the vacuum yeah, spider. Yeah. Yep. Um, man, that one was a weird one. Yes, um, strange boss. Yeah, and the first of its ilk, I think. Uh, yeah, is, you could say that is all right. We're we're getting bloodborne spoilers again. Is <laughs> Rom the vacuous spider an old one? Uh, hold on, hold on. So yeah, we're entering into. Spoiler territory starting now. Oh, good catch, yeah. Excellent. So this game, depending on where you go in the levels, will drop interesting bits of flavor text, which is pretty much the only way that lore is communicated. Um, And there's a segment in the game where you're in a a part of Bergenworth College that is... As far as I can tell, not actually connected to reality, but that's a neither that's neither here nor there. Uh, and you find a note that says "Hunt the old ones," uh, which communicates that you need to be taking out beasts of a certain ilk that maybe you have not been prior. 
is Wait, Ron... that, that notes in the college? Where, where's that at? Do you remember? Yeah, so do you... Okay, so there's two Bergenworths. So... Oh, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, the s- <laughs> second Bergenworth. I was like, wait, what? So there is... I, I cannot... I'm having a hard time reconciling this wild, wild game, but there is a yes. part of Bergenworth that exists in like a nightmare realm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, which which has my favorite mob in the whole game, the Slime Scholar. If you're not oh, sensitive yeah. to spoilers, give that a Google, people, because, man, greatest. it is the best thing I've ever seen. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Compare that, like, compare and contrast that with the liquor from <laughs> or from Resident Evil 2. I'm, yeah. I'm in heaven with those two monsters. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, yeah, so... So is Rom the Vacuous Spider one of those old ones? Because he has a decidedly different feel than some of the other bosses. He does. Um, I am reasonably sure that he is kind of an old one. Which I know isn't very helpful. I can get a little more in depth if you want. Mm, no, I think we're probably good. Just So you fought Ebrietus, right? I'm in the middle of that one. That's where I'm at right now. Okay. Did you notice anything interesting in in the room? I mean, I noticed the altar, but I'll take a close look when I'm fighting this boss. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Because you, I think it will become a little more clear. Gotcha. Okay. That's good to know. And by a little, I do mean... A, a little, little. <laughs> in the the FromSoft style that I've become accustomed Indeed. to, at least for this game. Right. right, um, right. So, but yeah, so he's a decidedly different boss, and he's interesting in the sense that uh, Rom the Vacuous Spider. First of all, it's not really a spider; he's kind of just this uggo, <laughs> really yeah. fat guy with maybe eight legs somewhere on him. Yeah, I mean. He spawns a bunch of mobs that are yes. much more spider-like. Yes. But yes, Rom uh, himself, probably just themself, uh, is n- not very spider-like in any way. <laughs> no. no, it's like Eric Carl's very hungry caterpillar meets like yes. Yes. a really, really trippy... Well, yeah, probably just an acid trip, <laughs> to be Man, frank. Yeah, fair, this game fair. is wild, but... Yeah, um, yeah. When it comes to Rom, what I found really interesting is, again, I we've talked about this a couple times with Bloodborne, is the way the game reinvents itself. Yeah. And I'm interested to know your take specifically on Rom, the vacuous spider, as a, as a boss fight, because I had to reinvent my entire combat style in order to beat this boss. Yeah. Yeah, because it is a boss that, until the final stage of the fight, doesn't attack you in any way. It, it's a it's a a totally different encounter type yeah and it th- there are a couple bosses in the game that call in mobs um but rom calls in like a lot of mobs and yeah my strat the in my first playthrough was i would kill all of the spiders and then attack rom and then do that again and then again and it worked in my first playthrough. But in my second, I don't know if I just got lucky on my f- first playthrough or what, but many more spiders were being called in than I could possibly deal with. Um, so I had to adapt. <clears throat> so here's something interesting. So the way that Rom functions, I know you said he doesn't attack you till his final form. I don't know if that was just you. So for me, hmm. Rom attacked... So it essentially takes four good solid like i'm gonna run up and beat the tar out of rom <laughs> four yeah. of those before he's he's done so um yeah. and what's really interesting is for each of those he'll summon a, a wave of mobs yes um but once you beat the first wave of mobs and and take him out the first chunk he will start shooting bolts at you if you're at any reasonable distance correct yeah um and so when he's at three quarters health he'll be doing that and so interesting yeah maybe yeah in my first playthrough it did not happen until maybe a quarter health oh no way that would have made this guy way easier this is by far the boss that i had the hardest time with in the entire game yeah i think it might be the most different boss in the game because of the mobs and because 
he also has a teleporting mechanic, which yeah. we haven't really talked about. But like, yes, yeah, so you'll you'll go up and get a few decent swings in, and then they'll just teleport away. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's odd. The interesting thing about his mobs is that they cannot be attacked up front. Yeah, their 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 heads are basically stone. Uh, is a decent way to look at it and so you can't really attack them head on you you won't do like any damage basically yeah so you have to hit them from the side from behind or they'll do this leap that exposes them when they hit the ground that's right Yeah. so what's really interesting about this is that taking out those mobs becomes almost impossible um while he is trying to shoot you with beams because a lot of these beams ooh, this might actually just be me I was ve- I'm very min-maxed, so I have a lot of health and a lot of skill, but not okay. a lot of anything else. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So I, those are just just the stats that I'm working with. So I get right. killed pretty easily. So for me, it has to be a strategy of not hitting. So what I had to do is the the game has a lock on mechanic. You press in R three and you can lock in on any individual enemy. You can flick the right control stick to toggle between which one you're focused on. I had right. to just give that up. To fight wrong yeah so much. i yep. was not locked into anything at all right um and that's really interesting because i was essentially fighting hordes of spiders while keeping an eye on rom because the thing about bloodborne and what i think makes it so genius is that every boss is a tutorial in how to beat the boss <laughs> because the more you watch the boss the more you learn their attack patterns right yeah for sure so for sure. if i watch rom rear up like an ugly little dinosaur i know he's gonna start blasting me so i and the only way you can't just walk away from those you have to sprint right so the only way that i was able to do this was sprinting around and it has been startling to me the amount of times that i have had to fight things with free look ever since like without locking on and i just think that's really interesting i mean obviously there's a lot that can be said about this game we've proven that i think extensively (laughs) Um, welcome to our bloodborne fan cast true uh, fear the old blood man fear it indeed but no, I, no, what, what's a good podcast name for a, hear the old blood. oh okay man, there we that's go. good that's there good go. there okay. it is all right i was continue. i started i started workshopping um, there's a joke <laughs> there somewhere um mm-hmm. we got it but i i started i went back to the healing work church workshop to come up with a good mm. name did not mm-hmm. get there as fast as you did um Gosh. here the old blood is the best name for a bloodborne <laughs> fan guys um, uh yeah yeah in the, in the event we ever get a bloodborne 2 and you and i are playing that at launch we are that is the entire name of that episode it's i'm calling Absolutely. it i'm setting in stone it's too good um but yeah, I've really enjoyed my my time with this game. I I messaged you earlier, John, with a little bit of frustration about an area called the Upper yeah. Cathedral Ward. War, yeah, and I know you and I share the same opinion in that it's the worst area of the game, bar none. Yeah, it, it's the level designs is very claustrophobic, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, mm-hmm. but it is then filled with enemies. Who can who can shoot out a ranged attack that freezes you in place, and then they lunge at you and take like I don't know half your health depending on on what your stat in in vitality is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like almost three quarters for me. Yeah, (laughs) and then they they also remove your insight, which is a currency in the game, but it's also a, a a mechanic where if your insight is high enough, you will see things in the game that you otherwise wouldn't. So the whole thing just sucks. Like, it's really terrible. Yeah, so this is actually the first time in my playthrough that I consulted the Bloodborne wiki. Yeah. Because essentially, and again, a little bit spoilery here, you have to kill some of those brain-sucking enemies to get an orphanage key. And I did not realize Uh, that. Because that's like the one of the first times that you've had to do that in this game is kill a mob to get a key that wasn't a boss. Sure, sure. Um, And so that was difficult um, to just know. But I did find a good way to take care of those mobs. For those listening, throw an oil urn and then throw a Molotov cocktail. (laughs) And you'll take out like "Mm, three quarters of their health. And they they do not have much after that. Um, but yeah, so after that quick 
siesta to the wiki, which told me that they were holding the thing I needed. I was right. I was done and I was out and I've actually cleared that area. I think a hundred percent. Nice. Because I spent so much yeah, time I mean, in it just getting murdered, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you've gotten to both bosses, then yeah, good. Good enough. Yeah. Good enough for me. That is. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about Ebrietis. Okay. Yeah. Um, mostly just the pronunciation, because I read it and I definitely thought Ebrietis, but I hate that. So in my head, I've, <laughs> I've rebranded. All right. Are you ready? It's Ebrietis, and here's why. <laughs> <laughs> Ebrietis, okay, Ebrietas sounds like my my stallion, right? Just like ah, the coolest horse. Ebrietis sounds like, you know, a French cheese I would enjoy at a bistro before realizing I hate fancy cheeses and throwing myself in the Seine over in Paris. So <laughs> I have rebranded it's, it's Ebrietas, and that's all I really have to say about that boss until I beat it. Um, all right. But now everybody who listens will know when I say Ebrietas that I mean the monster formerly known as Ebrietis, daughter of the cosmos. <laughs> um, and yeah, I like I, again, I don't want to get caught in a wormhole here like we did last ep. So I'm going to sneak out of Bloodborne for now. Right. But I'm probably going to beat this game this week is my good my hope. Um, a lot of the bosses that I've been fighting with the exception of Ebrietas. Mm, feels so good. With the exception of Abreatos, uh, I have beaten in one, two, or three tries. So I am nice. getting very good at this game. That free look technique that I learned during ROM has has helped greatly. So hopefully nice. I'll be able to take the rest of the game out for the, in, in this week, but who knows. Yeah, I without spoiling it for you, you are pretty close. Yeah, I keep getting that vibe. Like, there, I think once you're done with upper cathedral ward which just so you're aware is an optional area yeah um, i got that flavor while i was yeah. up in there there is i think only one other optional area in the game um and honestly if you found it i would be kind of surprised i did not find it on my first playthrough <clears throat> interesting yeah i kind um, of wonder what it is but i'm in uh, we'll see we'll see how this this pans out it's my favorite area in the game and has one of the coolest bosses but very difficult hardest boss in the game imo uh, so <laughs> commit to the bit <laughs> true okay, yeah for, cool, cool. Well, i don't know if we mentioned it on the pod but at Every single time Logan messages me on Discord at, uh, with something about a boss, I just respond with hardest boss in the game, IMO. My favorite uh. my favorite use of this joke ever um, is we're talking about the Upper Cathedral Ward, which I hate. And right. you say, I say, ah, oh, well, no game is perfect. I thought for a moment, but alas, I assume there are bosses up there. And you said, yep two one is the easiest game and the other is hard and rad sorry i meant hardest boss in the game imo and then again <laughs> hardest boss in the game imo <laughs> it's too good it's too good so yeah more on bloodborne um we're gonna talk for those who are familiar and listening which i'm sure is just millions of adoring fans uh millions, we're, we're gonna dude. get to talking like nightmare newborn and that kind of stuff next time um yes because that's where the game from a plot perspective gets incredibly good um yeah. and yeah so you you've been to the nightmare frontier yeah okay um what did you find there <laughs> i mean that's a broad question but man uh that place I, so i've not cleared the nightmare frontier okay um i i you, you might have to give me a little bit more to go on. Like, what did I find there? Is it a setting that I'm looking for or like the hideous um, monsters? Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to hint at it without spoiling it. Is, is there an island? Not that I've found yet. Okay, not like a water island, but like just kind of, it's kind of floating kind of hmm. 
Okay, I guess not. not I guess not. Not that I've found yet. I've I've run into some pretty interesting stuff. To give you like a more clear picture of what I have seen, or more accurately haven't seen, there's uh-huh. like an area where I walk up to kind of like a castle-y building. Ah, okay. And the, there are there we go. something that I cannot see is throwing spears of blood at me. <laughs> oh, mm, which yes. is not yes. awesome because okay. I had a lot yeah. of insight when I walked up to that area, and I have much less now after doing the Upper Cathedral Ward. Um, right. So yeah, my hope with clearing the Upper Cathedral Ward, which I I realized fairly quickly was an optional area, my thought was that I would be able to see what was up there by getting a little more insight and maybe clearing a couple more bosses. But as I alluded, I have much less than when I started. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, But yeah, yeah, so that's that's where that's at. Okay, okay. Um, Again, we'll talk more more plot because I have some good plot theories. um, Right, right. And just some fun stuff stuff to do there. but I do not want to reveal all my theories and take a bunch of time doing that if they all turn out to be incorrect. As fun as that would be. <laughs> fair enough, um, fair enough. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more on, on plot and Nightmare Frontier. There will be probably some more allusions to Slime Scholars next time. Of course. <laughs> Look forward to your future Slime Scholar reports. So <laughs> let's talk about the antithesis of Slime Scholars. And that would be problems <laughs> in the industry. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> the exact opposite of the pinnacle of game design, which is the Indeed. slime scholar. Uh, Indeed. What do we got on deck, Jonathan? So yeah, this week, um, sort of new, like a zombie game publisher, THQ Nordic, um, who is not the THQ of old, but is instead a publisher who bought the rights to the name and has since bought up a lot of THQ's old properties. And everybody's old properties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, they've been growing massively in the last couple of years, though they haven't really put out anything of, like, major repute. But anyway, this week, uh, they decided to announce on Twitter that they were doing an AMA on a site called 8chan. Now, uh, I did not know what this was. I sort of inferred what it was from the name, but I was not familiar at the time. Uh, But having since done even just the tiniest bit of digging, it's clear that 8chan is a forum site that um, was basically uh, too hardcore for 4chan. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, so, should should give you an idea. So those who are not familiar with 4chan, which was mm, blissful happy me just a few short really? months ago. Few, few oh, short okay. months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I did not learn what 4chan was tonight. <laughs> um, but yeah, it for those who aren't familiar, it is what we, we could effectively call, I mean, ooh. How do I say this delicately? I can't. I won't. Okay, here goes. It's kind of like a hate haven a little bit. Um, yeah, pretty much. It's not an awesome place. It's a, it's a forum site, if I'm not mistaken. You're correct. Um, yeah. But they, they don't have a ton of guidelines as to what can and can't be posted as far as like uh, controversial topics. You know, uh, there was a lot of Gamergate stuff, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. um, associated with 4chan. Uh, yeah. Just kind of some messy, messy it's a messy place. Yeah. And th- there are often rumors uh, about the industry started in 4chan that are inaccurate and will often cause uh, a little bit of negative publicity or stir, uh, which can really hurt developers and, and hurt games. Uh, I'm not a fan of this site, suffice to no, say. No, no. Yeah. And 8chan um, is like, it's too 4chan to be on 4chan. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, 8chan has been uh, banned from Google for... A history of child pornography and uh, uh, violent uh, tendencies. So yeah, it's it's a very vile place. So for a game publisher to just randomly, uh, you know, randomly decide to do an AMA there is extremely alarming because it sets up it sets up two possibilities for how this came to be. Uh, either THQ Nordic knows what 8chan is and is interested in courting that type of user base um 
or they have no idea what 8chan is and they are seriously that incompetent to decide to hold an official AMA uh, on this site without doing any prior research. Which, None of these things make you look good, but only one of them is true. Right. And I should know that's their official story right now is that they have yeah. no idea what this website was. And here's the thing. Um, it's blacklisted from Google. Yeah. So it's not like they were like, ooh, gaming forums. And then it popped up. They're like, oh, let's do it on this one. Um, yep. This is very, very clearly an intentional um, an intentional move to this forum, yeah. despite what they would like us to think. Um, yeah. Um, Scoops McGee, Patrick Klepek. I um, love this man. <laughs> yeah. He um he went and pulled excerpts from the AMA on 8chan because it did happen. Um, it wasn't just announced and then canned. It it 100% happened. Um, he went and pulled posts uh, uh, of, you know, the THQ Nordic PR person or team or whoever was running this, responding to questions and things like that. And it's quite clear that whoever is running this AMA is uh, very aware of, of what's going on, of what environment they're playing in, mm-hmm. and is very uh, willing to play along. And so, yes, their their official story of having no idea that, you know, the site was so horrible and they were just approached and thought it was a good opportunity is demonstrably nonsense. Right. Um Patrick Klepek, in his reporting, actually did some due diligence into digging into the 8chan segment. Um, And he did find this little gem that I'd like to pass along. Uh, Mm. This is anonymous user on 8chan saying, Please don't censor any games nor appeal to the social justice crowd. You guys are doing fine as is. To which THQ Nordic's Philip Brock, head of PR and marketing, responded, Thanks, we'll try to stay that way. Um, And for those like familiar with kind of the games scene um i guess if you're not and you're just hopping into this cast welcome welcome this is <laughs> this is video games for you um there have been a lot of problems with representation um with kind of the way that race and, and sexuality and those kinds of things and even just uh, i mean just speaking from the way women are represented in general lots of problems with that in the industry for years Um, And those problems are what Anonymous on 8chan is referring to when they say don't censor any games nor appeal to the social justice crowd. They're saying, like, don't fix that. Keep, like, the awesome, awesome representation you've got going, which, hint, hint, is not, like, awesome. Um, Right. And so this response from THQ Nordic of, like, thanks, we'll try to stay that way is – it's telling, I would say, that they knew kind of the crowd that they were working with here. Yeah, and there are other excerpts that also play into that um, a lot. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an unfortunate thing. Um, I, I, f- I feel for developers who have signed games with this publisher and feel like they are in a powerless situation where maybe the terms of their agreement don't allow them to get out or to speak negatively uh, of the publisher if they want the their game to continue as planned and feeling like they are now attached to this absolute dumpster fire garbage can of a brand um, is, uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. And it's also unfortunate to just not to see very little there was a lot of games discourse um, around it, bringing it up, but not a lot of tangible like, uh, you know, company X has taken X, Y, and Z steps to distance themselves from THQ Nordic. None of none of anything like that happened, or even like, I mean, not that I'm super interested in in companies sparring publicly, but at least it would mean something other than complicit or implicit endorsement, um, which is what it has felt like, generally speaking. So this is still somewhat developing. This only happened a couple days ago. So uh, if there's any interesting developments, maybe we'll talk about it next week. But it's pretty slimy. Yeah, I'd be... 
I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about kind of how this develops. Um, obviously, there are... Uh, I'm most interested in the developer response, personally. Um, yeah. But we'll we'll see, kind of as this develops and, and where this goes from here. Uh, yeah. The important takeaway from this, I think, is that, you know, things are bad. <laughs> uh, which is a yeah. sucky takeaway, but uh, I think it's just important to, to be aware of this kind of thing when it does happen. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why we do this segment on the show every week. Like, we don't really have segments on the show, but we make it an effort to do this one because... So much in games, uh, in the broader games culture, is toxic and broken and uh, is thrives on mismatched power dynamics between workers and employees, between in-groups and out-groups. Mm-hmm. And it's not the, the uh, egalitarian, equal, fun place that a games community should be mm-hmm. and uh only by recognizing and actively fighting against these uh pressures uh for more divided more uh, mismatched power dynamics in, in these types of communities can we see improvement so yeah it, it sucks right now in a lot of ways but that's why we we do this every week, mm-hmm. even though uh, you know we have no audience. But it, it's important to to speak up about it nonetheless. Absolutely, because that's the only way this kind of thing changes, right? Right. Because the difficulty with something like this is where it's a publisher thing, right? Yeah, you could say like, oh, well, I'm just gonna um, like boycott everything THQ Nordic puts out. But the problem is that you're more hurting individual developers who were not complicit in this kind of thing and and again i'm not like knocking anybody who get takes that as a takeaway right like i feel like that's a a very valid response to this very gross thing that has happened understandable um but at the same time it's important to note that 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 does hurt the devs and so the most important thing that we can do in this kind of situation is to talk about it um, and to make sure that people know that this isn't okay um, right that this kind of thing can't just happen quietly uh we're going to make it loud. <laughs> right. Um, right. But yeah, so that's, I don't know. It sucks, but it's important. Yeah, agreed. That's, that's where I'm at with it. So. Well, Logan, uh, yeah. Well, that was, that was good Man, fun that times. was a bummer, huh? <laughs> yeah. So you want to talk about some more fun games? Sure. Oh, what you got man. coming up? Oh, man. Okay, so last week, those who were in invested in the drama will remember that i could not remember the game that i wanted to play this coming week that's right and i actually did remember it the second we disconnected our call last week um but i did not get a chance to play it so uh those who listen closely know our uh, i would say unabashed love of patrick klepek indeed <laughs> uh so patrick and the broader waypoint crew correct shout outs yeah so patrick klepik and and natalie watson over at waypoint um decided that they were going to catch up oh i should mention after a couple years together of dunking on the kingdom hearts greater lore uh right. they decided that they were going to catch up on this lore in preparation for kingdom hearts 3 like to just like stop making fun of it and like take it seriously. really take it seriously and they yeah. did um natalie especially is i think a kingdom hearts fan at this point um which is just excellent um wow and they did a, a series of podcasts called lore reasons which explains mm. the greater kingdom hearts universe now i've never been a part of this uh never had a playstation growing up and so this was just not part of my world um, yeah there's a, a little mermaid joke in there somewhere but <laughs> Uh, dig for it what i've decided to do is to use waypoints lore reasons cast which by the way they've clarified is not an explainer for their fandom but an explainer so that the group of them can figure out what's going on in this right. messed up universe um i have decided to use that as my exclusive catch-up and i will <laughs> even ignore the video that square put out to recap this oh boy this game um and to really bring it in and so i have now finished lore reasons 
from Waypoint, nice. and I will be diving into Kingdom Hearts 3 with no other explanation in this universe. <laughs> and I'm so excited because it's going to be messy. Oh, so stay I am stoked. Stay tuned for that. Um, so that's that's one thing on mine. Uh, I will, like I said, be finishing Bloodborne. It will be a Christmas yeah. miracle uh, in February or March, I guess. Christmas miracle in March if I can yeah. avoid playing Tetris 99. That game's really good. Uh, and then there's a, a recent Taiwanese published game that I was tipped off to earlier this week called Devotion. Have you heard of this, John? Uh, I have, and I am familiar with the controversy. Yeah, there's a big controversy brewing up around it over the game's use of a, a poster meme that makes fun of the Chinese president. Um, yeah. So it's actually been removed from Steam for now. Yeah. So if I, I can get my hands on this game, it's a, it's a horror game uh, from red something do you know the developer offhand john uh i don't i apologize giving this a quick google red candle games uh, i've not played any okay. of their games before uh but yeah this is a, a psychological horror game that takes place in in an apartment complex in, in taipei taiwan and i'm very very interested to to see it if i can get my hands on it we will see for sure yeah um but yeah so that's one that i'm looking into what about you what you got on deck john um so i anticipate that i will play some more frostpunk and like i said earlier i do plan on playing uh some of some PUBG for PUBG's newer patch oh yeah um uh but i do i do plan on getting into the bloodborne dlc this week um because uh sekiro is just three weeks away now Mm. three weeks from tomorrow um and uh yeah i'm i uh, now's the time um i i need to check to be to to see if i can play the dlc without like playing a whole new campaign which i mean i wouldn't be sad about but i don't know that i would 100 percent have the time correct to do that um so i'm i i don't know how you access the dlc so hopefully I can either just load up one of my old save files and hop in, or you can just hop in straight from the get-go. I I basically know nothing about this DLC. Um, so, cool. Yeah. I know it's a series of bosses. Right. So yeah, I, I know it's generally more Bloodborne, but... So I would imagine that you could load it to an old save file, but who knows? Yeah, um, I guess we'll see. I, I'd be interested to hear that as well. I actually don't own the DLC. I thought that I did. Hmm. Um, but yeah, keep me posted as to how that is because I'm invested. Uh, yeah, with we'll Sekiro be. three weeks away, don't know how I'm going to afford that game, but I will be affording it. Make no <laughs> mistake. Um, I do want to share a little anecdote that happened to me a couple of weeks ago, Sekiro related. Um, so I had this great idea that I wanted to, my <laughs> my first experience with Sekiro, I wanted to be uh, on the big screen, as it were. Now, this is a thing that you can do, Jonathan. I don't know if you're aware of this. You can rent out movie theaters and just, like, play video games in them. Really? Yeah, so I did a little bit of look into that. Uh, what up? Capitalism of 2019. It is not <laughs> in my budget. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, man, that was the eternal hope. That was the, I man, mm, I'm very much looking forward to this game. Uh, Yeah, so there's a great email thread somewhere out there in the ether that is me with, like, a a rep of Cinemark just being like, hey, so theoretically, like, I mean, I do a (laughs) podcast, so I'm pretty official. And and they're like, yeah, "Yeah, no problem, fam. Just float us, like, 15 hundo. And I'm like, hmm, you know, like, hmm, for a game I've not played, mm, (laughs) probably going to have to pass on this one. And by pass, I mean did not respond to that email because Mm. there's no good way to say, like, "Mm, my wallet not that thick. (laughs) Right. Uh, So, yeah, maybe one day. um, You know, someday when we have a big community and we need to do a meetup, we'll just we'll schedule that around a game launch and do a meetup like that. That would be so cool. That'd be quite fun, Uh, actually. Yeah, so... Hashtag TopGCon2020. <laughs> of course, yeah. Look forward to it. Um, Coming to a city near you. But and by near you, I mean not near you in the slightest. Yeah, true. Probably in a desert somewhere, TBH. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the meantime, you can, if you want, use the hashtag TopGCon2020. Um, but until then... <laughs> Lord knows nobody else is using that. <laughs> <laughs> true. 
<laughs> True. Uh, or you can use the hashtag TobG, T-O-B-G, uh, for that ODS Beast Gaming. And Jonathan, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jonathan Nielsen. And I am on Twitter at LoganMatthew401. <sighs> I'd like to thank Brian. Brian <laughs> John, you better do this one. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to brian altano from weird heat for the track nostalgia that we use at the opening and closing at our of our show go check them out on youtube and or patreon they do great work man you've saved me <laughs> thank you i got you fam <laughs> thank you mm. well i think that does it for another week yeah. of that odious beast gaming it's been a real one uh thanks so much for joining us and we look forward to hearing or to having you hear us next week hopefully uh hopefully you'll be with us then but in the meantime keep your hearts and your eyes open peace